just to be a cowboy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he and Witten were really close. So, you know, a lot of times we'd go out with them. And there were some other guys in the offensive line that Tony became friends with. Right. And so we'd go out as a group. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, man, it's just going to fall out of the trees. <laughs> right. Here it is. <laughs> like, oh, this is going to be the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. So, so those of you who are listening right now, um, you've obviously seen the title of this show, um, but you may have noticed that there's a much sexier, more educated voice uh, besides Darren and myself. Uh, so Ben is not here today, um, but uh, a good friend of, of mine and ours and, and Tom Brewer is here uh, joining us. And uh, Tom's one of those guys that, that I, so I met Tom, uh, gosh, it's four or five years ago now, uh, when I was still playing with the Cowboys, he's a good friend of Tony, uh, and, and always Tony who Tony Romo. Oh, okay. Just make sure everybody knows. Yeah. See, I, I wasn't using my pet name for Tony, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, so Tom and I have known each other for a while, but over the last couple of years, you know, our, our wives, Tom, uh, now recently married, uh, we've all kind of gotten together and gotten to know each other, but, uh, man, learning a, more from you over the last two years and, and who you are, the way you think about things, the way you process things and just who you are as a man. We talk a lot about on this show uh, about really being the best person that you can be and, and using the gifts that, that God gave you or you're born with or whatever your perspective is uh, and maximizing that. Um, and, and Tom is as mentally tough of a person as I've been around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think by the end of this podcast, you'll, you'll understand why. Uh, but Tom, thank you, man, for for joining us. This is the fourth, fifth, fifth in person guest we've oh, had yeah. since March. This March since yeah. March, yeah. So so second yeah. since COVID hit, and man, we are jacked up to have somebody yeah, actually yeah, someone we in person. At, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So man, thanks for thanks for joining us, and uh, and we'll we'll get started here. Um, we want we always start with the journey because we want to understand how someone got to where they're at, and you've got a tremendous story. Um, man, you've had some, some ups and some downs and some battles and some really heartbreaking news. And, um, you've supported some people that, uh, man, just were going through challenging times and really stepped up to the challenge, but let's, let's go back. Let's go back to the very beginning, uh, and talk about childhood and, and what that looked like. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me say, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned to Tyler, uh, you know, I, or he, he had actually put me onto the podcast a while back and I told you, Darren, when I got here today that. I'm actually a big fan now. I, I was listening every day. Uh, now I try to find another one. You got to butter us up, man. Yeah. Honest, <laughs> I was on the drive over, I was listening to the uh, the the one that you guys recorded recently about being obsessed or yeah. being average. Yeah. yeah, you touched on a lot of things that I struggle with. Yeah. all the time, and it's fascinating stuff. And uh-huh. and uh, so you know, I appreciate the the kind words. I yeah. I don't know that I'm as mentally tough as as you uh, make no. me out to be. And, and a lot of those things you guys were talking about made me think about things of myself like you know mm. i think we all oh yeah you know we man, all so true man want yeah. to be better than yeah. we are and and uh so yeah i, I try but mm. you know i fall short constantly yeah uh so i guess to to start i don't know you know how specific you want me to be but i guess oh no yeah so we're gonna spend the first hour on uh, ages <laughs> ages one to five okay, and then second hour. Hour. my mom, my mom <laughs> sent me some notes here small <laughs> yeah. pictures <laughs> Uh, well, so I guess a little bit of background on maybe how I became the way that I, I became as I've grown older is my dad uh, was in Vietnam. He was mm-hmm. a Marine, mm-hmm. volunteered to go to Vietnam when he was 18. 
once he was there, he actually he was a boxer on the Marine Corps team at the same time with with Ken Norton. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, they they traveled around the Marine boxing team together. My dad was he a heavyweight? Or no, my dad was a welterweight. Welterweight. Okay. Guy, yeah. Uh -huh. So he you know, never fought at the level right. of Ken Norton, but even that gave me some perspective because I've asked him a lot of questions about that. And but he, that's you know his mentality is what you would expect a Marine to mm -hmm. be, uh, and and certainly you know raised me. With a, a tough love uh, that I think I carry with me now. Um, my mom, on the other hand, was kind of the opposite of that. Very loving, supportive. Uh, she was a, a person that had to work a couple of jobs mm -hmm. while she went to graduate school to try to get the job that she wanted when we were kids. So it was a you know, I'm very lucky that I had two loving yeah. parents, and yeah. they came from very different perspectives, which I think balanced me out. Right. Right. Uh -huh. So I can I I understand the tough love part, but I also understand the compassion and mm -hmm. and uh, things that my mom did so that that's uh the way I grew up I grew up in a really small town in southern Illinois so geographically it's uh probably people may have heard of Carbondale Illinois Southern Illinois University yeah. so yeah. I grew up about 40 minutes north of that okay an hour east of St. Louis Okay, so yeah. that was the city. We I know St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Another part of it, I love the right? <laughs> so anyway, that's, uh, that was where I grew up, and it was a, a small town. You know, I loved growing up there, but what was interesting about that life is, and this is kind of going back to that being obsessed yeah. or being average, was I was always a pretty decent athlete, mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, and we were the biggest town around. Mm. So, you know, if I was always one of the better players on one of the better teams – and that always allowed me to relax. Right. Mm -hmm. And looking back, I'm like, if I would have been in an environment where I wasn't very good, been pushed, would I have worked harder? Right. Tr you know. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, you know, that's a lot of ifs and buts. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I played every sport they would allow me to play in high school, and I was okay at mm -hmm. all of them, but not great at any of them. Mm -hmm. So I, Did you I recruited at all in any of the sports. Uh, baseball was the mm -hmm. one I got a little bit of attention in. The problem with that is, unless you're a, you know, couple top few round draft pick, right. you're not going to get a lot of money mm -hmm. to go to, to school. So that actually influenced what I did in college, which was I, I went to a military academy my freshman year. And because uh, they, they I got a scholarship. Mm -hmm. Was that partly influenced because of your dad's history and his journey? Or was it, hey, that's kind of my option right now? Well, I, you know, I thought maybe he would be proud of me and he might like that but it wasn't it was really about money okay because mm. uh, we didn't have it a lot so yeah. it was either go to a junior college locally which i didn't want to do or my ultimate dream is believe it or not was to go to the university of kansas hmm. it was a huge wow. jayhawk basketball fan. Oh, like, if i can find a way to get there <laughs> and you know maybe right you know, yeah. i was okay at basketball but i had these dreams so this this particular scholarship would have allowed me to go to military school for two years mm. And then if I finished top in my class, I could have gone anywhere I wanted to in the country and then it paid for it. Mm. So that's why I was like, okay, that's what right. I'll do. I'll live through this and then I'll yeah. go and, uh, and go to Kansas after that. So I, I get there. Uh, the, the first month of military school was, was essentially boot camp. Yeah. And what I found out when I got there was this, the way they put this scholarship together was, it was a unique thing and they wanted it to work. And so what they did was they actually recruited people who were already in the military. Okay. To, right. to do it so they would excel. Right. And I was the only person that wasn't. Never, no experience. So I was, you know. And 18 years old. 17. 17. So I was okay. young, yeah. Okay. So anyway, it was really the first time I'd been away from home, and I'm making every mistake you can make, you know, fucking everything up. Right. Yeah. And, and, of course, part of the military is the whole unit suffers. If yeah. You, yeah. You know. yeah. So I'm just, you know, the ass of the group <laughs> everything we do. 
And, you know, so it's humiliating. I hated it. And, uh, and I just convinced myself I didn't want to be there anymore. And what was interesting for me, which is that, that experience was kind of a two parter for me that was life changing. One is I had never really failed at anything Mm -hmm. and I felt like I failed. And so that really rocked my confidence because I I quit. Mm -hmm. And, but the other part was how my dad responded to it. So somehow the people that were in charge of this program knew that my dad was in the Marine Corps. They must have done some sort of homework. And so when I told them I didn't want to be a part of the program, they, you know, at first tried to convince me to stay. And I kept saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. So they said, all right, tell you what, you got to call your dad. And you got to tell him. You got to pick up that phone. Yeah. Mm. So I call. And the only, the, the, at that, and I'm sure most military schools are probably like this in the country, that they know it's hard, so they don't want you calling home anytime soon yeah so the only way i was allowed to call home was if i had accomplished you know a bunch of things that you have to do and it, it should take a few months so here i am like you know three weeks in calling home my parents my mom answers phone. she's like, oh my gosh we're so proud of you <laughs> and she thinks i've accomplished all these things oh. so that was you know oh, man. that in of itself is like oh but i said so i said mom that's not why i'm calling so then she's just like yells for my dad his name's gary so she says gary get on the phone and he doesn't say a word he just listens and so I say, uh, you know, I'm, I know you're probably going to be disappointed in me, but I just, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be, I don't want to be in the military. I did it for the money. Like, I don't want to be a general someday. Like, I, I just don't want to do this. My dad still never said a word. Uh, and then I, I played a pretty dirty card, okay, to get out of this. So my mom was offering me, well, we'll buy you a new car. We'll mm. do it, you know, like anything to get me to stay. And what I did was I, to get out of it is I, I basically, there was a kid that when I was growing up the church we went to, he went to West Point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, model citizen, the apple of everybody's eye at this church. And, and then this kid comes home from Christmas break one year, and he tells his parents, I don't want to go back. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you got to. And his name is Brad. Brad's like, I, I just, I don't want to. They said, you have to, you have to. So anyway, the day he was scheduled to fly back, he killed himself. Right. So that's like something the whole church knew about. And it was a very upsetting thing. So my mom was really on me, like mm-hmm. wouldn't let, wouldn't take no for an answer. So I basically finally said, mom, I'll, mm. I'll stay, but I can't promise I, I won't end up like Brad Hart. Wow. So my mom was like, Gary, go yeah. get him. Yeah. Mm. So then my, I'd hand the phone back to this, the sergeant or whoever that was there talking. And I'd never heard my dad ever defend me. Mm-hmm. He's never, you know, he, I, I knew he loved me, but he was never nice to me, really. He was never, never told me how proud he was. Right. Or so this guy gets on the phone with my dad, and he's like, you know what? He's an immature brat, and he, he's running away from a challenge and just really berating me. And I'm probably five feet away, and I'm crying, just sobbing. Mm. I was so, you know, devastated. And I hear my dad for the first time through the phone. He's like, listen, you know, you've known my son for Three weeks, 17 days. I've known him for 17 years. Like, he's the brightest. He, like, he just goes on and on about how mm. much you love me and how great wow. a kid I was. And right. so I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I never knew you felt this way. And then he basically, you know, told the guy, like, I'll be there in five hours. And if you think you can stop me from taking him home, then, you know, we can meet in the yard and mm. figure it out. And I just never heard him ever defend me like that. So although it was so, so the two roads thing I was mentioning was I, I really lost a lot of confidence. And I, I wasn't sure who I was because of quitting. Mm-hmm. But then I had a totally different relationship with my dad after that. Mm. You still felt loved. It was probably the first time, and, and, I, and I struggled with this too. I struggled with, and it wasn't anything intentional. I don't think your dad did it or your mom did it or my dad did it or my mom did it, 
but I was wired very early that I was rewarded for success, right? And everything was was based on the results that I produced, mm. right? It was all production based. And, and I, I, it sounds like for the first time, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm loved and I didn't have to perform. Right. And I didn't have to earn it. Yep. Like the difference between conditional and unconditional yep. love. Yep. And, and, and even when I think I'm disappointing him, right. I find out how proud he is. You know, yeah. like I thought that was going to like, I didn't think, you know, I knew what he did and how he went to Vietnam mm-hmm. by his own choice. And I'm like, I'm quitting this easy thing that I have to put up with this for, you know, a year yeah. where it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way he's going to let me come home. Right. And then for him to, you know, kind of embrace me like that. And then even after when they picked me up, like I was a mess for a week, you know, probably cry every day and just wouldn't want to. And my dad would hold me, which he had, mm. you know, so it was really, yeah, it was an wow. emotional yeah, time, it and really it was something you had never seen your dad never, do. Yeah, never. And That's so, awesome. really, it's like I it instantly shifted from somebody I kind of resented. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, is there anything ever good enough for you? Is you know, like I'm your son, like mm-hmm. show me a little love here to like not nah, take a bullet for him. Like right. you know, it's like yeah. this is my favorite person in the world. Right. Yeah. He, he was there mm-hmm. for me when I was broken. So that was really the, a pivotal part of my life. But that's. What's interesting, have you guys ever seen or heard of the movie The Butterfly Effect? Yeah, yeah, Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher. It's a great movie. It really is. You wouldn't think it's that great because, you know, the cast and Ashton Kutcher's no Robert De Niro, but... He actually did a dang good job. Yeah, it it is really (laughs) good. And the the premise is basically that, I guess in in physics, the butterfly effect is that on one side of the world, a butterfly could flap its wings, but the waves that causes in the universe could cause a tsunami on the the other side Mm. of the world, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of a profound concept. And in the movie, basically, this kid has this one moment in his life that changes everything. Mm-hmm. And so for me, what I didn't realize was the butterfly effect that, that moment would have because what, you know, so I, I went to this school in, I guess, August of 20, uh, August of 1997, which means I would have graduated in May of 2001. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know what happened September of yeah, 2001. So I would right. have been front lines. Deployed. Right. In yeah. Iraq or Afghanistan. Right. And then who know you know Pat Tillman we saw what yeah. happened who knows yeah. what might have happened mm-hmm. and then the other side of that is where I end up going to school after that so you'd ask if I'd been recruited anywhere the, the one school that I thought I would have had a chance to go get some scholarship money was Eastern Illinois mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. once I'm done with that military school mm-hmm. I'm like well I'm gonna go you know try to go play baseball now and see if I can earn some money again right mm-hmm. so I went to Eastern Illinois and that's where I met Tony Romo. So mm-hmm. we were we were freshmen on the same floor. So I'm now I'm a year later in school. Right. You know, so I, I kind of get derailed a year, yep. but uh, now we're freshmen together on the same floor, and you know that has taken my life in a totally different direction now because of that one, you know, that one moment. So, uh, you know, I don't want to monopolize the conversation. But no, that's, no, 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 no. That's the we're listening. Yeah. 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 Here we go. Come on, man. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so I meet Tony as, as a freshman and. Uh, you know, there's some interesting stories there that, you know, we can get to those if, if you want to. But, uh, you know, I basically go for four years at Eastern Illinois. I get an economics degree as an undergrad. So you didn't play any ball at all? You, you well, did it with- so I was such a quitter mentally at the time that, again, I had gotten some pretty good interest from that mm-hmm. school. I go, they had fall baseball practice, right? So I go for the first two days. And as silly as this is, man, I was just so weak and beaten mm-hmm. mentally that the coach – uh, you know, they were nice to me when I got there and made me feel like, okay, I'll have a chance here. But the coach let me know that the guy that was in front of me, we were the same age, and I used to dominate this dude in, like, the all-star traveling circuit. I'm like, oh, I'll, yeah, no problem. And right. he actually had a pretty good year the year before, mm-hmm. and he's like, this guy's playing. This is my guy. 
So I'm like, okay. And then a few days later, I did something, and he, and he really made fun of me. Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't let it go. And I just thought, man, I don't need this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, he already told me I'm not going to play. Right. I'm not getting any money for this. Like, fuck this. You've had every yeah. excuse. Every yeah. excuse, man. It was so, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I wish I would, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. that mentally tough. But man, I was, I, You I was, sound no, no, like no, no, a no, lot of us, brother. But it's part of the journey, right? It is. And that's, yeah, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, I was, I was just a beaten broken person and I quit and you know still I know I you know I didn't have what it what it took to be a professional baseball player I know that but it would have been fun to see what I could you know just what could I and and by the way like I never lifted a weight I never trained I never you know every like I mentioned I played every sport in every season so baseball season for me was what day is first practice yeah and when does it end yeah so it's like I was pretty good without any effort right working at it and so that's where i wonder yeah. and, I, and I, you know i, I hey, let me ask you this though tom yeah. do you still wonder i, I know i mean how, how many years ago was that this now? was 20 well i guess 2000 or 1990 24 years ago. 24 years ago and and similarly i think everyone has those experiences where we we felt like man if i would have just yeah yeah and i was sort of the same way i played football my life but you know i had i played a lot of baseball early on yeah but I quit because I could not hit a damn curveball. Yeah, right, yeah. And I got tired of striking out. Yeah. And I'm supposed to be one of the better athletes, and I, they're blowing by me. Right. And I, I finally got to a point where I didn't want to put the work in. I made up every excuse possible. I, I can't get there. My mom won't, she won't take me to practice. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to catch the bus over there. All, the entire reason was, was I, was, I, I couldn't hit a damn curveball. Yeah, and you were embarrassed. And now right. I sit back now and go – Damn, what if? Yeah, absolutely. What if I would have stuck it out right. and continued to go? Yep. So go yep. ahead, man. I'm sorry. Well, no. So, yeah, it's, it, and I think it's it's so interesting because it is such a universal thing, which is it why is. I mentioned that episode I was yeah. listening to. It, it struck a lot of chords mm-hmm. with me because I'm like, man, I, I have a lot of that in my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, I, I didn't end up playing any sports, but I was stuck in the sports dorm. Mm-hmm. And that's how, you know, I'd met Tony. But anyway, the rest of that college experience for me was I, uh, you know, Knocked out an economics degree, and mm. then I ended up going to graduate school there and got a got a graduate assistantship because I was staying to see if I wanted to marry a girl, mm. right? And but that <laughs> the things you know, we do, yeah, right. Yeah. I, I had no interest in. I was like, I don't really want to do this, but I got to see where this goes. And the Tom, the Tom you met five years ago, you're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> you were wanting to marry a girl, right? Right. Twenty two. Yeah, yeah. She. uh she would have had me then. Uh, <laughs> she missed her window, and thank God. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, I stuck around, did that, and then uh, right after I, I finished, so, again, kind of that quitter mentality, mm. I, I go to two years of graduate school for economics and had it, wrote, wrote the thesis that I had to write, submitted it, and then I moved to Dallas. Mm. It's Tony, and I had kind of kept in right. touch. Mm-hmm. So his first year here was my last year of graduate school. Okay, right. And so we kept in touch, and, and so then he kind of convinced me to move here, but I never finished the thesis because it required me going back, facing scrutiny. All right. And I'm right. like, man, I'm not, you know, and I started making a little bit of money. I'm like, I'm not, what do I need this for? Mm-hmm. So I, I let it go. And so I did all the work, wrote the paper, 90-page paper. And never turned it. Well, I turned it in, yeah. but then you've got, they give you, you comments. Go back and, forward. And, you got, yeah. and then you have to go stand in front of a committee and be questioned. And, right. And I, I was starting to forget things. You know, I'm like, I don't remember how I did that. And right. I'm like, I don't want to go take another class. Or, you know, so I just gave up. Oh, right? So it's, it's a lot of that mm-hmm. that uh, unfortunately happened. What are you doing in Dallas work-wise at that point? Because uh, you and Tony lived together. Yep. So that first year I moved down and... Uh, 
And then I became a personal trainer yep. for 24 hour fitness. Yep. And, uh, so I just needed some money and mm-hmm. I'm like, what are, you know, the only thing I really know how to do is work out. Which is funny, right? Because you didn't no. at all in high school. And so when did that kind of become, because, because Tom's like a super fit guy for those of you that are just listening, Tom, Tom's like very, very fitness focused. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when did that become something for you as a shift? Like, okay, this is something that I, I need to really make important to me. So, you know, the thing I'd mentioned about my dad, uh, although, you know, he was hard on me and we weren't as close as I would have liked when we were kids, he was the kid, he was very muscular, very in mm-hmm. shape, and he was the guy that, you know, he ran a couple miles, did hundreds of push-ups, pull-ups every day, so every kid thought my dad was the toughest guy, right. mm-hmm. you know, like, he looks so strong and muscular, mm-hmm. and one day, it was uh, the summer before I went off to the military school, or the summer of the military school that I went to, one of the kids I played baseball with, his grandparents would come to every game. And I guess when, after one game, I'd taken my shirt off or something. And they were like, you know, you're starting to kind of look like your dad a little bit. Mm. Like physically. I'm like, right. really? Right. And like, as soon as <laughs> I heard that, I was like, okay, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, I got into working out. Right. Yeah, I, I want to I show these people yeah. what yeah. I can do. Yeah. And, so that, and then the other part was I had one more year left of, uh, of baseball with that team I'd played with. And mm-hmm. I wanted to come back and, you know, mm. and hit some home runs and be like, difference maker right. mm-hmm. so that's what got me into working out and then it just results you know it's once you start seeing a little yep. progress right you just like you it more and more to, and yeah. yeah so that's how i got into working okay out. and then in college uh in graduate school specifically and you know this typical douchey teenage kid went now wants to have a little muscle oh yeah i wore the cut off oh know, yes oh the, the real skinny straps yeah, up by oh, the yeah, neck yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah for sure for yeah. sure so my question is though if you were <laughs> if you were so good of friends with tony how come you couldn't convince oh, him to ever gosh. lift weights oh my gosh <laughs> just, yeah but seriously though <laughs> <laughs> no. that is you know it's funny we used to joke that uh times that we'd go on vacation you know, Tony is a tremendous athlete. Oh, my God. Yeah. Does not have the athlete's body, though. He's, he's right. like Tom Brady. Yeah. Right. Similar yeah. Like, my my daughter went through a chubby phase at one point. Like, their bodies resemble each other. My daughter's, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> my daughter's, my daughter's eight. So, yeah, we used to uh, just kidding. Uh, I'm kidding, Tony. I'm totally no, you're kidding. <laughs> when, when we were a little younger and I was a little leaner, I used to be like, which one's a professional athlete? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Definitely not him. So, yeah, so poor, poor Tony. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, that's. That's what got me into working out, okay. and I had a few professors ask me for help and advice and stuff like that. So that's where I thought, oh, this could be fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I started doing that, and you know, it just picked up. And took so off. Uh, you know, I mentioned this as I as I brought it in and introduced you. Like you have like this really deep thinking perspective, right? You really want to understand something. You really want to dive into it. Was that always something that you had, or was that something that kind of evolved and grew as you got older? I think it evolved. Um, you know, I think when I was young, I was, I, I all I wanted to be was cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really don't know what it's like for kids today, but when I was growing up, mm-hmm. being the smartest kid in class wasn't cool. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. I was the class clown. I'd pick on people. I would, whatever, you know, it was all insecurity, right? right. But it's whatever I thought I needed to do to yeah. be the coolest kid in class. Mm-hmm. And using my brain mm-hmm. wasn't what I thought was going to unlock that for me. So I was always, you know, just with really with everything in my life, it's like I'll just do the least about, amount yeah. to, to, okay, I, I need to get a B or an A. All right, you know, I'm not going to study any more than I have to. I'm not going right. to do And, and yeah. so the, the curiosity came later. 
as I realized, like, it's actually fun knowing things. Yeah. And, and I want to be good at this. And so let me. You know, it's crazy. When does that happen? Because it, it happens to everyone, right? Yeah. Yeah. At some point, you always want to be the coolest dude. And you don't, you just want to. I don't know if it happens for everyone, though. Like, I would argue that. I don't think everyone. I think, I think there's a, a large percentage of the population that's just okay. Just doing yeah right true not really understanding not understanding why they're doing it but i agree i, I think a lot of us that, I, that's happened to me because i was the same way it was like i just got to know what i got to know and that's right. it yeah. like i don't really care right. yeah so okay so so evolved you know the 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 deep longing for understanding and that you really do have right because tom's a guy that like and, and they talked about it at your wedding quite a bit um is you know Tom's not a guy that you can just tell him something and it is what it is. He's got to say, well, okay, well, I'm going to poke some holes in it first. Then I'm going to go do a little research and then I'm going to come back and I'm actually have an educated conversation with it. And then if you can still convince me, then, then maybe I'll count this truth. Familiar. Yeah. Help that yeah, sounds man. awfully familiar to the dude who just said all that. Right? That's why we're friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to be in those damn conversations. <laughs> So, you know, so, so that, that happened, you know, later on in life for you, but like, again, you went through, you went through a handful of years in Dallas and then moved and then talk us through kind of those steps and the transitions and maybe the challenges and the dark times, you know, because some people may think like, okay, Hey, you know, you live in Dallas, you live with Tony Romo, like that's gotta be awesome. But like, what was that like for you going through that process and, and figuring out who Tom was and what you wanted to do? Yeah, that was oddly at first it was really exciting. And I thought this is going to be like the show Entourage, yeah, right. Like right. that's what I thought. I'm living. So, how old are you guys when you got when when Tony got here? He had to be what 22. Yeah, you were so. about 22, 23. Yep. Yeah, so time. we're the same age. Right. I was a year like I was I was young for my age in mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. So once I skipped that year, that put us in the, in the same thing. class, same right. age. Right. So yeah, I would have been 22, 23 Ooh, in Dallas. Yeah, mm-hmm. with the guy. Mm-hmm. Now at the time, right, he wasn't anybody yet. Yeah, yeah. Right. But it was just to, just to be a cowboy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he and Witten were really close. So you know, a lot of times we'd go out with them, and there were some other guys in the offensive line that Tony became friends with, right. and so we'd go out as a group. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, man, it's just gonna fall out of the trees, <laughs> right? Here <laughs> it is. Like, oh, this is gonna be the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. And then lo and behold, I quickly learned they don't care about you, right? <laughs> like, it's, like, and I literally, dude, I, I had a I had a girl one time. It's probably the, to this day one of the hottest girls I've ever seen. And we're out after a game. It was a Sunday night. There were a couple hot spots. I don't, you know. Yeah. You were probably always a good, upstanding Christian man. You wouldn't go do those things. We I don't even know what, what you're talking about. <laughs> I didn't know they had a nightlife yeah. around here. But Wait, no. Dallas doesn't shut down at 6 p.m.? <laughs> yeah. But this place, matter of fact, this place, and this might jog some rumors. I can't remember the name of it, but they used to play like softcore porn on all the TVs and the thing. In the club? Yeah, in the club. And it was a hot spot, man, like Sunday nights. And uh, anyway, well, it was Concrete Cowboy for a while when I was playing, but that was that's a lot, lot late, a lot yeah. later. Yeah, huh. this was on like the this is close to SMU, I think, like the okay. Max Henderson. Area. Okay, but uh, anyway, so we're out there one night, and and one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen comes walking down the stairs, and I hit Tony. I'm like, look at that girl. He's like, yeah, man. And she had a friend with her, and he actually, you know, he thought the friend was better looking. I'm like, you can have her. I want, yeah. you know, I want this one. <laughs> so I'm trying to work up the nerve to talk to her. And all of a sudden, she comes up and approaches me. And she starts talking and, you know, like, really flirting with me. Uh-huh. Wow, okay. Yeah. But what's funny, and I'm sure you guys have had this happen before, she's she's trying to be the opposite yeah. of everything that – so I'm not really into athletes, and I oh, yeah. I want a guy with a brain and a guy who's educated because yeah. she thinks – That you play with I play with yeah. 
So I'm tapping Tony, like, listen to this shit. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I want. And so she's literally describing me. Yeah. But she thinks she's not. Yeah. So, so, and she's, and, and then at one point, the, the one line. You're I coming off remember, really desperate. You need, to, <laughs> you need to shut it down. Ma'am, you need to back off. And then at one point she says to me, she said, uh, you know, I don't know if, if you know, does, is, have you looked around? Is there anybody in here you're attracted to? Like clearly getting me to try yeah, to get me to sit her. Yeah. And I, I played off like, oh, I don't know. You know, I just got here, but. Well, anyway, so then she lists all the things she's looking for in a man, which literally described me to a T. And then Tony chimes in, well, I mean, that's Tom. He, he has, you know, he, she, he said, I have a master's degree, I'm this and that. And then she goes, you have all that and you play for the Cowboys? I'm like, I'm like, I don't play for the Cowboys. It's like the record gone. Who said I play for the Cowboys? Yeah, and all of a sudden, instantly turns her back. Oh, Like as yeah. if we never talked before. So then I tap her and I'm like, all right, and what about you? Anybody in here, you, you know, you're attracted to? She's like, listen, I don't know if you're trying to hit on me or what, but I want you to stop. No. After wow. literally, like, throwing it at me for 20 yeah. minutes and then flips it just like that because I wasn't a player. So that's a long way of getting to, I thought my life would be, like, just, yeah. you know, and it's, so Tony, it's le- so Tony left with her then. Tony left with both of them, you know, like, at least... No, but so, yeah, anyway, uh, so in a weird way, it was yeah. fun, yeah. but it wasn't what I expected it to yeah. be, right? It wasn't the yeah. this crazy yeah. lifestyle where it all rained down on me, too. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of a passenger and got to observe. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was really cool and fun. We got to go a lot of places, do fun things. You know, I, I was there for Jessica Simpson. Mm, yeah. She basically lived with us, yeah. you know, in that house for a while. Uh, you know, so some stuff. Um, <laughs> we won't get into all those stories, but man, you know, but all like you know, like he he was a, a judge in the Miss Universe pageant yeah. that mm. Trump hosted. I went down there with him for that, and so you know, a lot of really cool things, but yeah. it wasn't fulfilling. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Because I'm like, I, I'm not the star of the show, mm-hmm. and how fun is it to watch everybody else right. get what you want and you don't have it? Yeah. So that's where there was kind of an identity thing where it's yeah. like I need to go out and kind of carve my own path. Yeah. So when, when did you? Start to 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 figure that out. I mean, did, was it? Did you have? Was there one specific moment that that you felt like, look, I, I can't. I mean, I, I gotta have my own life. I mean, I can't be just Tony's friend yeah. and, and run the streets here in Dallas. I gotta do my own thing. Was was there one thing that in particular that happened? Yeah, I think that I. You know, I can't remember the exact scenario, but I remember somebody. All I was in this circle in this group was I was just Tony's boy. Mm-hmm. And that was what I was referred to as, mm-hmm. and like n- nobody was treating me as an individual, and mm-hmm. was the, you know, it's like I get it, like I'm not the first person you want to talk to, mm-hmm. but like I, you know, I'm yeah. worth having a conversation right. with. Yeah, and I just, I just totally felt that I was just this hanger on, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe it's m- my own arrogance or pride, but I'm like I'm better than that. You're right. Like mm-hmm. I don't need to be. Like, listen, I love him. He's a great yeah. guy. Like I'm happy to be his best friend, but I don't need to be a hanger on. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so at that point, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to figure out my own path. Yeah. And if, and if we get to stay on this path together, great. But if not, that's okay too. Mm. Cause I've got to figure out what makes me special. That's, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And so that led me to move to, uh, so I was doing, you know, I, I the personal training route and I was doing pretty well. So I was getting small promotions mm-hmm. and then I got offered an opportunity to move to Los Angeles and oversee a bigger area and that was the real, it's like, okay, do I want to leave this lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was kind of a tough decision. And then I just thought what we just talked about yeah. was that, man, I'll regret the rest of my life if not I don't seeing go. what I could have been. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just going to go do it. 
and went out there and had a lot of success and went really well. And then they actually approached me and asked me to move back here and take mm-hmm. over a larger part of Dallas, so, which was exciting. So yeah. absolutely, this is where I want to be anyway. So I came back, did that. That went well, so they moved me back to L.A. again. And then this is where kind of another crisis of conscience hit me where what I realized was I was putting all my eggs now in the professional basket. Mm-hmm. So I would date, but it was only surface level because I was laser focused, focused on right. My goal was really to become the CEO. I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to see. And, and what's funny, and I don't know if you guys have ever felt this way, especially athletically, I'm sure you've been this way as you've gone up the levels where you're like, these people aren't any better than me. That's right. Oh. Yeah. Like, yep. yeah, they're, maybe they're a little bit bigger. They're a little further along. Right. But like, you're not. Well, and, in, in every sector too, right? In athletics, you're like, okay, he's he's good, but like nothing mm-hmm. great, right? right? Like because you watch him on TV and you you see him on the news or you yeah. hear about him, right? Like they become legendary, right. and then you're like, he's just a guy. Too. We talk he's about it all the time. He's just yeah. a dude. Yeah. He's just a, dude. just a dude. And then and then I make the transition from football to business, and it's the same thing. Exactly. Like you get into the industry and you're and, and real estate, and I'll just speak real estate, and you're like, that guy's top producer right. mm-hmm. in Dallas like you know and you you want to learn okay what was it right that, that he mm-hmm. did to get him to that level but also you're looking at it, it's like okay if if yeah. I do yeah. things right yeah. and I work hard yeah. and you know I treat people right yeah. and I do all these things like there's no reason that I can't right. do that and more mm-hmm. but but it's the same deal and I came out too as well as like you know I could I could talk to Tony I could talk to Jason I could talk to um you know, Julius Peppers. I could talk to Erlach. It didn't matter because they're guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then I came out and I, like, now if you're a CEO, I'm like super nervous because right. you're way smarter than me. <laughs> yes. Like I'm not, I'm not even, I don't even deserve to be on. But the funny thing is, is I learned fairly early on. It's like, these guys think the same thing right. about right. athletes. Yeah. And, right. and, and, and you've just got to realize that people are people like no one is innately better than anyone else. Right. Yeah. Have they reached a level of success? Yeah, maybe. But like by no means mm. is anyone above anyone else. I mean, you know, this from Tony, you know, all Tony's flaws, like right. Tony's a great guy, but like, People think of Tony, oh my gosh, like, you know, he was the America's team's quarterback and now he's this like wizard on CBS, right? Like that's Tony Romo. Like he's a beyond reproach. Like right. this, he's, he's untouchable. Tony's just a guy too. Everybody is. Yeah. He's just a guy mm-hmm. with all the same issues that we deal with. Yep. I mean, maybe different scales and right. different, but like it's all the same stuff. And so, and that's, I mean, that's one thing that like, I think that I've learned at least professionally that's helped me is because it's like. Mr. CEO, if like I'm going like cold calling you, like, look, I want to treat you like someone else. else and yeah. and oftentimes that resonates a lot more yeah. with people because they just want to relate to people yeah. too. Well, and so for you, Darren, I think this would this would probably make a lot of sense. And I've seen it a lot with Tony and, and other, you know, famous people that have a lot of clout. You don't want to be you don't want people treating you like, like a fan. No. That's you the don't, worst man. Thing in the world. Yeah. That's right. You just want regular folks. Like yeah, that, that's so who you relate to. Right. Because you know, like in the end, you know you ain't shit. Right. Like yes. I know I'm not shit. Yes. Like I'm just that regular dude. Right. And where I'm more comfortable is when people are barbing with me. Yes. Yeah. Like when we were together, like me and Tyler yeah. and Ben, you know, yeah. we go at it and that's where I'm most comfortable. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they've made me you know, there's some humility behind that yeah, as well, but yeah. that's where you, you know, that's where growth is as well. Yeah. And I think a lot of people want to grow yeah. in themselves. Yeah. 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 And so, and I, and I started to recognize that with all those things you just yeah. said, where I, you know, I thought to myself, I'm going to go as far as I can until I get to a room that I feel like I don't belong in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, these people are just a different level. Yeah. And like back to baseball for me, 
I, I faced a guy one time through 97 miles an hour, and I couldn't see it. Mm. Yeah. So I was like, forget adjusting to it. Yeah. Right. Adjusting, <laughs> like, I literally, I could hear it, but I, my eyes couldn't Can't focus on it. Right. Now, what's funny is I actually, I, I, hit, I got a hit off the guy off huh. the wall. Almost huh. hit, but I, I knew. Yeah. But yeah. This is a different level. <laughs> yeah. like, and, and the guy, and then the kid that hit behind me uh. was like, Sitting on that shit, just bam, just ripping wait. it fat, like yeah. pulling it foul. Right. Yeah. Wow. Now he ended up, he didn't get the hit. Right. I got a hit, but it, the ball, the pitch hit my back. Right. right. Yeah. And me hit the, <laughs> it taught me, like, I don't belong here. Right. Yeah. But in these rooms, I'm meeting all these people that are, and I'm like, they know more than I know because they've been exposed to more than I've been exposed right. to, but, but they're not smarter than Any me. Smart, not, yeah. yeah. So I kept telling myself, I'm just going to keep going until I get to this point. And, but again, I was starting to feel lonely mm-hmm. and it was, you know, there was a cost in my personal life. Mm-hmm. And so what for me kind of put me in another crossroads was I got offered a job to go to this startup fitness company and, you know, offered what seemed to be like a dream situation where they were going to give me a, a percentage of the revenue that they generate from now and moving forward. Mm-hmm. Forever. And I, all I had ever done in my career was just like, I grew revenue. Right, like yeah. That was what I, so I'm like, yeah, like I'm going to be. Right. I'm the dude. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, and and I just hated every second of it, mm. and I didn't get to do the things that I like to do, and then I felt like I was really good at. I didn't like the people that much, and then I just kind of thought about it. I'm like, man, what is? And then this is the other thing that for me, I can't see. You know, other people might have to make different choices, but for me, I've never been a somebody that needed a lot. Mm. I don't need yeah. fancy things. You know, does my car? I want a nice, like I want a yeah. nice car, a nice right. house. Like I want to make sure the roof doesn't but I don't need you weren't driven by the money no right so I kind of realized I lived off a certain amount of money so Mm. as I was making more money and moving up all I was doing was saving it right and putting away for retirement so it it was all monopoly money to me and so then I I got to a point where I'm like man I I can keep going after this money and hating waking up in the morning Mm -hmm. but I you know then I thought to myself who who on their deathbed is like thank god I have 10 million in the bank right Mm. right and, and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's kind of like that military school moment. I'm like, so I just decided that moment, I'm like, I'm going to go and quit. I'm moving back to Dallas. I don't have a job, but I'll figure something out. And, and oddly enough, back to my dad, I called mm-hmm. my dad and I told him about it. He goes, I'll be on a plane. In the I didn't even ask you. I'll be on a plane in the morning. We'll drive out. Mm. So he flew out and drove me, you know. Um, but anyway, so that was... That was a, a moment where I'm like, you know what? I'm just I'm going to choose to be happy. Yeah. Over choosing. Man, that's to, that's a hell of a, a a moment though to have. Yeah, it was scary. Man. Yeah, because there's so much fear on the back side of that. Yeah. Because I mean, you've been working so hard, and again, if you think about it, you've been working so hard to you know set precedence of what you wanted in life. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, you have a moment, and you say, "This is this is not making me happy." Mm-hmm. And and you, then you don't know what your decision yet you just made. What's Right. What's coming? Yeah, you know what's what's happening in the in the future. So that's got to be that. Would, that had to be tough for you to go through that situation. It yeah. was. I want. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Before yeah. before you answer it, I want to at least like lead into that question. But uh, is what was that feeling leading up to that decision? Right. That like what you were living on a daily basis versus yeah, you went through the fear, but you made that decision. What did it feel like after it? So you know, I I don't mean to keep referencing that episode I told you I was mm-hmm. listening to today, but it's, it's funny. You guys touched on so many things that, that I had a passion mm-hmm. for what I was doing before I went to this startup company. Mm-hmm. Like I would, 
I would in the shower in the morning, I'm thinking about my day and like, all right, here's how I want to attack today. And mm-hmm. how do I get better? And, and it was always on my mind, but in a good way, it wasn't yeah. pressure. It was like, I loved figuring it out. And, and, and a lot of my job was to teach and coach. And, yeah. and I loved watching people learn and get better. So for me, it was like a joy to go to work mm-hmm. at this other job. I'd never felt that before. I'm just like, Mm-hmm. And it was like I was a hard worker at the other place. I would grind, but it didn't feel like a grind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, was, it was fun. Wow. Yeah. You know, right. So I would just be, I'd be cranking it out all day, and I'd, I'd actually go home energized. Mm-hmm. You know, and and with this one, it was like the moment I woke up, it was just like I don't want to. Oh my god, I don't want to go to work. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't the best version of myself that way. So I, I was kind of, I felt like I was stealing their money. Yeah. Right. You know, it was just a lot of that kind of stuff, and. And then once, but you know, so this is another thing that I think is interesting that I hope other people go through and experience in their life. And again, I think because of the success you guys have achieved, I'm confident you've, mm. you've felt this way in your life. It's like at some point when you achieve enough, there's a real belief that develops in yourself. Mm-hmm. We're like, I know I can do this. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So like you might have a coaching change or you might go to a different team, but you're like, it's fucking football. Right. It's going to be fun. to play football. Right. right. And so for me, that's, I, I felt that level of confidence. Mm. Like I don't have something lined up but I'll be fine. Yeah. Like I know what I can do. Yeah. And so that was, it was, it was, it wasn't as scary mm. as it should have been because maybe, and maybe it was a false sense of confidence, mm. but I just believed it's like, yeah. I know I'm good at this. Yeah. And I will, wherever I may have to start a, a notch or two lower, but it won't be long before I'm right yeah. back to where I was is what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think of that so drive like, with your dad back from LA yeah. is having a sense of freedom. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't have that weight, that burden on my yes. shoulder of waking up every day. And trying to f- trick myself into, you know, functioning and producing and doing what I'm supposed to do. Like, I can just imagine that level. Because I've been through that before, too, where it's like, I'm really doing something I hate. But like, or at a place I hate. Right. And it's miserable. And you make, and you're just like, <sighs> yeah. you know what? I don't know exactly how it's going to end up. But you know what? It's better than, this. It's better than knowing yeah. what the result of that other exactly. one is. And, and then also, it speaks to the confidence and how, you mean, there was a time where you you had to sharpen your skills at what you what you were Absolutely. doing, right? Yeah. And maybe yeah. you you know you sharpen them as time went on, but you built a self confidence up to that's say, true. you know what, I can start all over again, yep. you know. And that's and, and see that's one of the things that you know in life we go through certain things, but we don't take advantage of really sharpening our skills. Mm-hmm. You know, there's times where, and I've been in there where I just. I'm just in a spot where I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm, but I'm not taking advantage of mm-hmm. what's right in front of me yes. yeah. because yes. it may not be here. The reason why I'm sharpening them is maybe for the That's next exactly one, the next right. episode. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's to that episode that, that you keep referencing, right? Be excellent or be average, right? It's, or be obsessed or be average. I mean, it may not take any more time. It's just the actual like wherewithal That's to right. say I'm here now. <laughs> like I'm like, if you're a trainer, right. As opposed, I've got an hour between clients, right? Either I'm going to work out physically and, and work on something new, or it's I'm going to do some research on a new technique or a new recovery or a new movement or new, uh, new new stretch or or yeah. soft tissue work not something sit right. On Instagram. Yeah, not yeah. sit on Instagram or like go get something to eat and sit. Like yeah. it's like okay, it's not going to affect my day, but while I'm here, I'm going to sharpen that tool. Yeah. Right. And yeah. You know that that what you guys are talking about also kind of makes me think of even what people go through today. Not as much athletically, but even like in the entertainment business, right? Mm-hmm. The the bands that we grew up with, w- no matter what kind of music, whether it be hip hop, rock, whatever, mm-hmm. you didn't put one song out and become famous. Right. Yeah. It took you years, years. of being yeah. on the yeah. corner, you know, rapping for yeah. your friends or playing in dive bars. And you 
you start to learn how to get the crowd to respond. You learn yeah. what worked, what didn't. So then by the time you got to the stage, yeah. you were already a finished product. That's right. It was yeah. just the matter yeah. of opportunity. But yeah. people today want to get there right now. Well, it's right. the American Idol value. culture, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like we're going to plug in Scotty McCreary to yeah. be this country. And then yeah. and we're shocked they don't survive. Yeah, yeah. or they, we're shocked that they're not very good right. in front of a live audience, right. yeah. you know, yeah. at 16 years old. Yeah. And they've never done it before, yeah. right? And, yeah. and so that's like, I don't know how you instill that in people because and maybe it's a parenting thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, look, you... Don't yeah. take shortcuts. Like you, it, it's not fun to do the grind, but that grind <laughs> pays off, right? <laughs> yeah. Even like as, as silly as it sounds with working out, you know, I, the way I, I would explain it to my clients, the way I look at it is every day is a baby step forward or a baby step backwards. Like no one day is going to make or break a result. But if you take a lot of baby steps, then you need to take a week off. Your body doesn't go anywhere because mm-hmm. you've walked miles down the road. Right. But, it's, it, but if you don't put any work in, you might get a, a little bit of a, a tick up on mm-hmm. a result, but then as soon as you, your body won't snap right back. That's you know, right, it's, yeah. So it's like to me that there's so much value in hard work. Yeah. And unfortunately, people... Bypass, try yeah, to bypass well, it. And, and I get it. Mm-hmm. Like nobody wants to do the grind, but it's yeah. so important, yeah. right? That's right. And so for me, that, that, that mentality paid off in a major way. So then the, I, the irony is I come back to Dallas. I uh, just happened to go out one night. I, I stayed at Tony's house mm-hmm. looking for an apartment. And uh, he's like, hey, I got to go to a dinner tonight. You want to come with me? I'm like, yeah, why not? I got nothing else to do. And at that dinner, I meet a guy named Andy Beal, who owns Beal Bank. Oh, Beal Bank, yeah. yeah. So, like yes. Yeah, so if, for those of you that are not in Dallas and don't know who Andy Beal is, Andy Beal uh, started out as a real estate developer, but then he's also a rocket scientist and started Beal Bank and, you know, again, is one of the most intelligent businessmen and most successful businessmen in, in Dallas. Dallas. In Dallas. Yeah. So so yeah. remember, in Dallas, we have the Waltons, the family of the Waltons mm-hmm. that live here. We have the Jones family. Uh, we have T. Boone Pickens, who, mm-hmm. you know, that, yeah, yeah ob- you know, obviously. But, but Andy Beal is at, like, the top of that list. Right. Like, if one, two, or three. Right. And, I mean, you talk to anybody that's been in banking, anybody that's been in real estate, like the respect for Andy Beal mm-hmm. is, is all time. So sorry. No, so I, yeah. I haven't heard this story. I know obviously, you know, you guys are, are really close and I know you, yeah, but I want to hear how this whole thing yeah, started. So we're just, we're at, at the party and, uh, back, see all this stuff ties in, which is to me beautiful. Yeah. Right? That's what I love about life is so many little lessons you can learn mm-hmm. along the way end up, you know, converging. So all the stuff we talked about it probably because I spent time around a lot of celebrities mm-hmm. with Tony that I'm not intimidated. Right. Right. Because I was around CEOs, I'm yeah. not intimidated. So here comes Andy Beal walking mm. in the room, and the whole room stops. Yeah. But mm. to me, it's like I've been around a million guys yeah. like this in my mind, right? right? Yeah. So I'm just yeah. having a conversation. And probably because I'm a normal person yeah. that isn't afraid to disagree with them or yeah. have, we're talking. And, mm. and, and, and this is got a, another little cool thing about life to me that I'll get into before I finish the story. So sorry if I, I go no, off. No, 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 no. We're the worst of that. So, yeah, so <laughs> good. Uh, you guys have seen the movie Hoosiers, right? Yes. So one of my favorite life. Oh, hold on. So you've seen a basketball movie. I've seen movie, a basketball but, movie. But, but, haven't, but haven't seen Butterfly. I, butterflies. Effect, butterflies. But I want to watch oh. something with butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> so Hoosiers is obviously a, a great movie for a lot of reasons. But my favorite part of the movie Hoosiers is there's the, the player Jimmy. Mm-hmm. The, the whole town, they want him to play. And he's not going to play for anybody. Right. But what nobody knew was he was wa- watching practice every day through like a crack in the gym door mm-hmm. and really seeing what this coach is all about. Mm-hmm. And 
only by observing the coach, which the coach had no idea he was doing, mm-hmm. is what made Jimmy want to play. Mm-hmm. So the lesson I learned is, as silly as it sounds from that movie, it's like always be your best. Like you'd never know who's yeah. watching, who's paying attention, yeah. what's going on. Because the coach never knew Jimmy was watching, and it ended up winning him a state championship. Mm-hmm. Right? So for me, it's like all these little things along the way. I never knew that it, the fact that I read the Wall Street Journal the week before about the crisis in Greece. Mm-hmm. That's what we talked about. Wow. So it just so happened that came up, and I, we started talking about this financial crisis in Greece because I happened to read the Wall Street Journal because I'm, you know, just trying to stay knowledgeable yeah, about right. what's going on in the world. And that made him like me and think I was smart or whatever he saw in me, and he offers me a job on the spot. On the spot. In finance, which I'd never done before in my life. <laughs> so I tell him, like, listen, man, I, you know, I felt guilty. I'm like, right. dude. I appreciate it, uh-huh. but I don't know what I'm doing. Like, yeah. I don't know anything about finance. Which is like, after you've already talked about numbers and all that stuff, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, salary's going to be, yeah, yeah. okay, now, yeah. now that we got that out of the now way. I've signed the paperwork, <laughs> let me tell you. That. But, you know, Full so disclosure. I, I let him off the hook. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing yeah. here. And he goes, yeah. you'll learn. You, yeah. I, I can just tell whatever. And so uh, that began my career in finance. Yeah. So I, I came back to Dallas with no job. First day here, get a job in yeah, finance from wow. one of the – the Great top guys, yeah. Guys. yeah. Uh, so then I do that for two years, learn a ton, you know, from him somewhat directly and then just from all the people I worked with there, which was great. And then that's when... So what was your role there? I want to yeah, learn a little bit more because that's what I'm a little unclear on exactly because, you know, I've heard you working for him and, and you moved up really quickly and there was a lot of really cool opportunities. And, you know, Andy said at your wedding, he's like, we had a huge hole when he left. Like, although he's only there for two years, like mm. the impact that he made, I mean, because, because again, if, as if any of you get the opportunity to meet Tom, like Tom's not a guy that's going to not necessarily sugarcoat because your delivery, I mean, he, but he says it like it is mm-hmm. like a lot of the things that like people think that they want to say, Tom will say, and he'll say it with all like the best intentions and heart behind it. But like, if he sees BS, he'll call it. Mm. And in the corporate world, that's hard to find, right? Right. That, right. that people really say what they think and 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 are are willing to put their reputation and name behind it. And Tom's one of those guys. So I want to hear what, exactly what you did. So I, I, to be honest with you, I can't really remember my my title. There was there was analyst, mm. which, and then there was whatever I was, and then there was vice president, mm. like managing director. So I was somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, but I think my contribution more than anything was I was really learning still. Yeah. Like I, I really truly didn't know what I was doing. So I don't know that I was a great contributor to the financial part of it. I, I did a lot of the legal, which is, I mean, again, I don't have any legal background, but they would <laughs> just set me on the, I'd have to read these 400 page credit agreements to uh-huh. find where can we be screwed with loopholes. And uh-huh. so that was kind of, you know, I learned a lot, but it was super fun. Days. Super fun. Um, I think my contribution really more than anything was again, this, not having, I wasn't intimidated. Yeah. So a lot of these guys would be so afraid to, to throw out ideas mm-hmm. because they'd be afraid of how Andy would react. Mm-hmm. And I knew him outside of that. I'm yeah. like, this is the coolest, most laid back guy. Like he, he, it's okay if he says no, he's not mad at you. Right? Yeah. So I would, I would be the one like, try it. Yeah. And they'd be like, no, he doesn't like that. I'm like, you don't know. You haven't asked him. Yeah. Oh. You know, so I was pitching ideas that were very off the beaten path. And like, he would never do that. I'm like, well, let him tell me that. Yeah. You know, so that was a lot of what I would do. And then mm-hmm. just my management background, just some things I saw within the, the office that I thought, you know. This like, could help. Yeah. Yeah. Because there, there were me and a lot of other young people that were hired there mm-hmm. that were just learning. And I'm like, mm-hmm. teach us. Yeah. Like, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Like, I want to learn. But, you know, after I work a full day, 
it's hard to go home and read for five hours. Right. And, yeah. and, and I'd rather have practical knowledge. Yeah. So little things like that yeah. where I'd kind of you know try to organize mm-hmm. little meetings to learn and things like that. But so so I mean in the finance industry, but I think you know in that that white collar sector, and I'll, I'll I'll just speak here in Dallas. Do you see any of the like? self-preservation tactics like i'm not going to edge i'm not going to help this guy enough because i do feel threatened did you see that within the organizations that you worked with because i mean it's 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 a it's a weird concept and to me it's backwards because you see a lot and i don't know if that's maybe the insecure individuals but you do see times where it's like i'm not going to help him too much because i don't want him to make me you know irrelevant you know i've seen that a lot in corporate america in general in that particular office I, I I didn't see it. Now I'm gonna give credit to the individuals and say they were good yeah. people that yeah. were, you know, looking out for me. There's also a, a chance that they knew I had a personal relationship with Andy and they yeah. didn't wanna right. yeah. you know, sabotaging me might hurt them. Yeah. Right. So yeah. okay. So I didn't see any of that. Everybody was great to me, but it, it okay. could have been self preservation yeah. in that way. I yeah. don't know. Um but yeah, man, it was a really cool experience. And then uh what took me where I am now it, career I'm in now yeah. was one night. Uh, I get a call from Tony. He had just, he was debating whether or not to retire. Since after he hurt his back mm, the last time. Right. Yeah, 2016. Yeah. Dak had already, you know, taken over. He, Tony had given the speech, you know, yeah. kind of giving over the reins to Dak. And now he knew the writing was on the wall in Dallas. He's like, I, you know, I, I don't want to spend my last right. few years on the bench. So he's like, you know, I'm either going to go somewhere or not, or I'm going to retire. So, you know, we spent a couple of weeks where, he asked me to come and do it with him. Uh, we watched tape on every team in the league, and he was mm-hmm. really dissecting. Kind of back to that Jimmy moment, yeah. though. It's like who, he didn't know he was going to be a broadcaster, right. but that's yeah. taught him so much about everybody's mm-hmm. scheme in the NFL that for him it's like second. Yeah. That's how you can predict all this stuff. Right. He studied all these guys. So we'd sit there and watch film on you know, who are their receivers, what's their scheme, what's their offensive line like. And and then he's like, dude, I don't know. I may go into broadcasting. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. I, each, each network is kind of throwing a little pitch out there. So then – one night he's like, "Hey, uh, there's a producer coming in from NBC. Uh, I got to go to dinner with him for like an hour." How casual was this conversation? With was it? Was there? Tony yeah, was that? I mean, look, he, he's making a transition, right? He's yeah. going through. Was there any excitement in his voice to say, "Hey, I'm," or was it just was it normal Tony as we know Tony? Like, yeah, I got this dinner tonight with. Uh, oh, the dinner thing is very laid back. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the decision was hard for him because mm-hmm. he knew it was going to be yeah. like, "I got to go one way or the other with it." But the, yeah, he's so laid back that he's just like. It, for him, it was more, hey, do you want to go out after? Right. So he's like, come with me. <laughs> well, you know, sit with me through this dinner, and then we'll go out and have some drinks after. Right. So I'm like, all right. Uh, and probably this poor guy that who's like, the fuck is this guy? You know, sitting here. Uh, sorry, I only made a reservation for two. <laughs> yeah, but. exactly. I'm just like, pull up another chair. Here I come. So we're sitting there, and the guy is, is describing the role of Tony and kind of telling him, here's how NBC would like to use you. And then he goes, you know, and, and by the way, like when you're in – the booth, they'll have a guy, you know, with you that we call him a spotter. He can stand with you. He helps you prepare, da, da, da. He goes, so I can have a spotter, like anybody I want? And the guy's like, yeah. He turns to me and goes, you want to do it? <laughs> that, that easy. That's that simple. And I'm like, I don't know, man. You know, like. Did you even know what the hell a no, spotter No, I don't was? know what a spotter does. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, truthfully, I'm like, again, I, money does not drive me, but I have to make enough. Right. And I'm thinking this job sounds too good to be true. Like yeah. there's no way you make money doing this. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. you have to watch football and whatever. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, dude, you know, I, I definitely consider it. Uh, I just need to learn more about it. So anyway, then eventually, you know, CBS makes their pitch. They land Tony and then he 
tells them I'm not doing it unless he can do it with me. Mm. So, and then they took good care of me. And so yeah. that's what I do. for them. So, okay. So amazing. this is, yeah. this is something that we haven't, we haven't talked about you and I, um, you know, obviously a little bit about like, okay, the role and stuff like that, but let's take the listeners inside the booth because people hear, you know, Jim Nance and, and Tony, and they just think, okay, Hey, it's two guys. They're just up there. And, and they're just talking football, like they're that good and they're that natural. Talk about the whole production that is a, a football, uh, you know, play by play, color commentary, how that whole thing goes about, because it's not as simple. There's a lot more moving parts yeah, than I'm sure you even thought that there oh was. Oh my gosh, yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, there are a lot of moving parts and these guys are incredibly talented. The thing that I'm most impressed by that I never knew is – these guys, you know, in their headset, yeah. there are six or seven people talking, talking all the yeah. time. Yeah, and I get to hear that too because yeah. I have, you know, I have a line of communication to Tony. But I don't know how they can keep. So they, they might be in the middle of a thought. Mm-hmm. So we'll take Nance for example. He he'll be in the middle of a thought, and then you'll hear the producer say, uh, "You got to get to that sixty minutes card, Jimmy." And then, and then five, four, and count that. And Jimmy and Jim's making a perfect yep. succinct point with a count going in his ear. And don't forget this, you know, got to tag it with this at the end. It's, so there's all this stuff. And these guys are so like, I would shut down and be like, stop. Yeah. On air, <laughs> one at a time. And oddly enough, Tony has even more than that because yeah. the, you know, and I think all the major networks have this, like they'll have people in the truck when you see these really well-produced mm-hmm. uh, yeah. highlight packages with the circle spinning yeah. around the guy and then you see the path and the speed. Yeah. Somebody put that together in the truck. Uh, and that person might be in the middle of a play saying, Tony, if they run the ball here, we're going to go to this package. But now he's, but he's got to comment on what just happened with this guy telling him this, like kind of updating him on what's coming. Yeah. And, and it's somehow he can... Get yeah. through that. That was yeah. the hardest thing for me at ESPN yes. was, and that's not even close to what they're doing, yeah. but to have someone in your ear while you're, and they're telling you, you have, they're counting you down. You got 10 seconds and Hey, you got to rap. You got to rap, rap, yeah. rap, rap. And you're like, I'm in the, I don't right. know how many times I was like, Pop my ear. <laughs> I'm going to get my damn point across, right. you know, right. but it, it is, man, it's hard to juggle that at the same time. What, like, give me, you know, I know we talked about Tony, Jim Nance has been, oh. he's a hall of famer. Oh. Man. Oh, and, man. and we've, and he's, Awesome yes. on air, but I hear he's even a better man off the air. He Give us is. something about Jim Nance. I'll tell you this: like, talk about something that I wish I could do, and I really envy Jim is a guy that if he ever meets you, mm-hmm. and not uh, first of all, if he ever met you guys, foregone conclusion, he'll remember it. Right. I love how I love how he politically. He, I mean, he really only means that about Darren. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> but no, thank no, you for no, making no, me feel no, good. No, he's like, hey. We met, uh, you know, on the field in Dallas, week three, 24. He, he just, that's, but he does that with everybody. Mm-hmm. So oh. one time, uh, our first year, my my family now moved from Illinois out to North Carolina. So I got my family tickets to a game, Carolina Panthers game we did. Got it, you know, brought them up to the booth so they could see the, this whole setup and meet Jim Nance. And, and Jim meets them and, oh, great, how you doing? Sees them two years later. Kelly, Jeff, how's it going? I haven't seen you since uh, you know week six in Carolina. That's like, wow, that's and, crazy. And, and they're nobody. You know who are they? Uh. Right. So it's not that he just treats. It's not like he's speaking to President. Yeah. You know Obama and uh-huh. remembering. It's every single person he meets, and, mm. and he makes you feel like a million bucks. And he and he's a genuine person like that. It's not oh, a fake. Right. You're not a fake yeah. in his body. So he's great. And then you know what? I sometimes frustrates me. 
for how broadcasters are ranked. So I think it has a lot to do with were you lucky enough to get a magical moment yeah. on your watch? Mm-hmm. Like, so in my case, probably my favorite broadcaster or my favorite play-by-play guy of all time is, is Vern Lundquist. Yeah. Because he called the Christian Leitner shot. Right. That's and right. Like That's right. A little kid. Yeah. yeah. And I remember I was a huge UNL, you know, UNLV fan because I think every kid was at that time. And I hated Duke. And I wanted Kentucky to beat him. And Vern Lundquist, like, yes, or whatever, whatever yeah. he said. Yeah. I, like, now I hear his voice. I'm like, oh, Vern. <laughs> I just get fired up, you know. And, and I think, like, Al Michaels is great. Yeah. But he got to call the miracle on ice. And, he, yeah. you know, and, and Jim has never had that one super-duper, like, iconic mm. moment. Otherwise, I think he'd be widely considered the best. Right, player. right. But he's, he's as good of a man as he is. And that's been fun, too, is, like, I've watched – him for 25 years yeah and you know and i'm a notre dame fan right so i can remember he did the notre dame miami college yes, so his voice is also like that for me yeah. and now i get to stand next to him you know every week so talk to us about it and it's it's kind of chaotic chaotic in, in, in the booth right yeah, so a lot so. a lot going on like you said you know the producers are in their ears they got all these packages that they got to go through Talk specifically, because a lot of people out there don't know exactly what a spotter does. Yeah. I, mean, I, I spent some time in NFL Europe yeah. calling games. Trust me, hated every <laughs> minute of it, right? Yeah. But I, I was trying to remember European names right. and, and having my spotter look at things. And there was no connection to the guy who, who was helping me spot. Right, which so, I think is a huge mistake. They, they really hamstrung Oh, me absolutely. So yeah. give me something. Give us an understanding of exactly what you're doing as a spotter. Okay. So I, I think that it, it can and should vary by individual. So in Tony's case, he has such a mind for the game that I view my role as take everything off his plate mm-hmm. so that all he has to do is watch film and be able to just react to what happens on game day. Mm-hmm. So... I prepare the board for him, uh, you know, even with pronunciations written in, all mm. the stats. So I, I'm, a, I'm a numbers guy, right? Like, yeah. I, like the economics mm. and finance stuff. I enjoy digging into the minutia of like – I'll give you an example of one that was really fun for me. It was the Super Bowl two years ago, yeah. Rams, Patriots. Yep. Right? Yep. You know, the Rams are the best offense in the league. Mm-hmm. And the Patriots have Tom Brady. So you, you're kind of thinking this is going to be an offensive yeah. right. shootout. Mm-hmm. But as I dug into the numbers, I'm like, no, it's not. Because they had Wade Phillips on one side, yeah. Bill Belichick. And I'm like, when these teams face offenses of this caliber, mm-hmm. these that teams don't right. score. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that's the kind of stuff I'll do for Tony is like mm-hmm. dig through numbers and be like, hey, by the way, this is this team, well, a good good example is the Cowboys. I mean it's kind of obvious right now, but you know, if you look at their numbers last year, you know, things have totally transformed. Like I think they ran the ball, they were number one in the league in, in Run percentage, percentage of yeah. rush, and now yeah. they're last. Right. Yeah. You see the Patriots where they were, you know, very low in the league rushing. Now they're the number one team in the league rushing. Mm. It's little trends like that that right. I might feed him. Mm-hmm. I'll do, any, you know, I'll just make sure that all of the stuff that anybody could do, true, you know, truthfully, mm. anybody could do that. Yeah. I get that done, and I'm like, you just go watch film. You make sure that you've got, you know, your mind on whatever you need it on. So I'll when does your board you. start? When do you start putting your board together? Okay, so the game just passed week yeah. is Sunday. Yeah. When is your board? When do you start putting together your board? Uh, usually today, mm-hmm. but of course, like sometimes we'll have a, a team that plays on Monday night, mm-hmm. and so so today's a Monday. Uh, so if we have a team that might be playing on a Monday night, I wait because of an injury. Right. Or uh, so then today, what I'll do is I put together uh, the coaching staff histories for each mm-hmm. team because that helps Tony's. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a Jim Johnson disciple, so I know this guy is going to run this kind of right. Yeah. So that kind of stuff, like give him the history of each coach, uh, each coaching tree and staff, 
So I definitely do that on Mondays because that's not going to change. Mm-hmm. Coaching going to blow out their ACL yeah. or whatever. Right. Then uh, <laughs> once, once the yeah once the uh, the lineups are essentially set and mm-hmm. I, I know who's injured who isn't, then I Tuesday I'll put together. Now something else that I did that that helped me tremendously. I do it all on Excel. Mm. So I know a lot of guys write it by yeah, hand. Right. So it's like every week's a whole new adventure. I do it on Excel. So once we do a team once, it's just oh that number out number you know. So yeah. Save the all, file. Come back wow. to it. Yeah. 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 And I just take it to a printer and have it done professionally. Right. But so that saves a lot of time. Um, so I do that, and and uh, usually by Wednesday, I take it and get it printed, and then I deliver it to him. So when he's watching film. And if we now we're doing conference calls, so uh, you know for coaches and players, so he'll have that at his disposal, so he can make notes on what he sees. And then now, are you involved in any of the pregame interviews? Like, are you there listening, yeah. or do you get? Yeah, okay. I take notes. Okay, uh, just in case he misses something, he yeah. can call and be like, "Hey, what do you say about this?" So I'm just yeah, typing yeah. away. Mm, okay, and I've asked the occasional question, but I, I try to know my role. Yeah, you know, yeah. Belichick and trying to hear from. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 you with a chair, if I ever spoke just just stare at <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah. Take a sip of orange juice. So I, I wait until I'm like you know this to me is the elephant in the room. Yeah. So the only time I think I've, I've asked a question. And I was like, this is one I think is a good one, and nobody's asked it yet. It was a couple years ago we did the Saints. And uh, I think Breeze was injured. So they were going to have to go to Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. They used Taysom Hill as like a punt return. Uh, yeah. Yeah, return. yeah, yeah, And so I asked, nobody else had asked him, like, are you going to change the way you play Taysom Hill? Because he might have to go into quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's a great question. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Sean, with Sean Payton. Oh, wait, yeah. Yeah. Sean, Sean's so friendly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. yeah, that was the one time I'm like, I, you know, because I felt like it had to be asked because yeah. it could affect the game plan. Yeah. But other than that, I just keep my mouth shut and tight. Oh, man. So in the game, though, right? Like, what I've, it's always impressed me with broadcasters is like their ability to, like, okay, when, as they're watching the game, to be able to call out the name because yes. there's no way mm. you can memorize a roster, right. right? And then see, and like, is that what you're doing? Is you're feeding things okay hey this just happened i'm feeding you this or i mean how are they getting that information like so fast and in real time but then and then are you dropping okay hey here's a note um you got to talk about this is what just happened to them because their ability to pull information from previous Mm -hmm. weeks but then also see it in real time and put it all together that fast like how does that come about so for the play-by-play guy they typically have their own spotter Mm -hmm. and then they have a statistic Mm-hmm. Stats guy, yeah. So that's how they're like. It's a forty-nine yard punt. It's like, well, how you know that's fast. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's so many. Yeah. Just all they do is watch that. And yeah. They hand a card. Like this is the third time in history this is ever. You know. Yeah. So there's so many. Now Jim, in Jim's case, he's got that encyclopedic mind. Yeah. Right. Half the time, the guy, the stats guy, hands him cards and I'm like, I already knew that. Right. Yeah. That. That's crazy. Uh, but you for, know who I am. <laughs> for uh, but but really, his spotter's job is to make sure that the ball carrier and the uh-huh. tackler are always properly identified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because especially if they go into a pile. So that guy's got binoculars, yeah. and he's really watching the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, my job is Tony's kind of watching the field to mm-hmm. see, like, what coverage was that? You know, yeah. did they bring an extra guy in the box? Like, why did that run get stuffed there or whatever? So I typically watch things that I know he's not mm. looking for, which is why I was saying to you, it's like, if you don't have a guy that you can have that relationship yeah, with, yeah. Yeah. I got this, you got that. Or right. you can look at him. Like, Tony can give me a look, and I know what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, he might look at me like, and I'm like, oh. And then I'll dig in through it. Because I, I just, we talked about it earlier, mm-hmm. and I knew that he wanted to know that note that we yeah. talked. So, uh, anyway, my job is really to watch behind the play, typically. Like, if a ball gets tipped or yeah. quarterback gets hit as, as he threw, who did it? 
opportunity uh-huh. beat to do it, yeah. stuff like that. Got right. it. And that, you know, the, the game that really, and everyone that watches football and has watched Tony, and look, first of all, he's progressed so fast. And, and yeah. it was, you know, he totally, he, you saw the progression in his first year. Each game, he started to get more comfortable and more comfortable. Then it just became, oh, that's Tony. Yeah. Right. You know, that's Tony calling games. But last year, I think it was last year. No, two years ago. Two years ago, the Patriots, Patriots game. Patriots-New England game. Yeah. No, Patriots-Kansas City. Chiefs, yeah, Chiefs yeah. game. That's right. Patriots-Chiefs uh, game. That was the game where he was calling plays. Yes. Yeah. Like, one after the other. And, and what, what was behind that? Was that because he studied Brady those all those years? Or just, being, or just having the vision of knowing – where they were going to attack, how the New England offense is going to attack. So I think it's a combination of he he is a huge fan of Josh McDaniels. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. he's got a lot of respect for yeah. his knowledge. And so, so Tony, it's actually – what's interesting is when we meet with the Patriots, it's probably the least amount of information we get about mm-hmm. the actual game. Mm-hmm. But it's literally like sitting there in a Ph.D.-level football mm. discussion because Tony and Belichick or Tony and Brady or Tony and, and – uh, uh, Josh McDaniels will go into such depth mm-hmm. but then Tony I think starts to understand how they think mm-hmm. right so it's not even about like they call this play on third and two it's like I know that in this situation this is what he's comfortable with right so what's odd is I think Tony also is better calling games with quarterbacks that are more experienced because yeah. he knows this is what you're right. supposed to do and this is what you're supposed mm-hmm. to think so a Breeze a Brady uh, Phillip Rivers even Mahomes is way ahead of his time mm-hmm. Um, with with his knowledge, mm-hmm. it's like those stand out because these guys do the right thing every time. Right? Yeah, and so it's like this is, and then Tony's just thinking, what would I do? I have yeah. Gronk and I have Julian Edelman. Yeah. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna chip and get him mm-hmm. out and route, and I'm gonna do. And so he draws it up. Right. And yeah. That's exactly what they do. Yeah. Well, and and just to speak on that with Tony, and and people have asked me this too. You know how why is he so good? It's like well. I mean, you've got to think that was his job. His yeah. job was to anticipate what was next and what situation would be most effective against that right especially you know offenses versus defense and I mean he did that so so well and especially late in his career Um, but that's why he took the play clock down to one or two on every single play is because he was seeing things he was making adjustments he was he was he was doing that so innately he's wired I want to say that like why did it come out then I mean part of it and, and correct me if I'm wrong Tom but like he was comfortable and confident enough to actually put it out there then, mm-hmm, at sure. that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. Right. He, knew he was right. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it was like, because he'd done a couple before uh, earlier in that year, he'd kind of anticipated and like, you know, he was probably, he probably was a 75% hit percentage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he was hitting it. So, but like, if anytime he got it wrong, like people would say, Oh dude, just, just call the game. Right, tell us right. why it happened. Don't tell us right. what's going to happen. But then at that point he was like, dude, I know, like, yeah. I know this is going to happen. And I mean, but that's how he always is. Right. If you yeah. ever watch a game with Tony, like, like every Thursday night at Nick and Sam's yes. or we're playing, like, oh, here's what they're going to do. This is this yeah. and this. And he's constantly thinking about mm. that. And so to him, I, I do think part of that is is a natural ability that Tony just has that he developed right. over his football but career. But you know what? I think that started early because I, you know, I was the old veteran. I think I was on my 11th year when Tony came in the mm-hmm. league, 11th or 12th year. And I remember he and Witten coming in. But we, our, our the quarterback situation was in shambles yeah. with, the, with the team. <laughs> And he was running – how he made the team, I have no idea. I mean, because they had three guys that they yeah. were just – they wanted yeah. to get a look yeah. from. But well, it, You remember what it was, Quincy. Got popped. He got popped, yeah. exactly. Just pure luck. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's true. I, I mean, bad luck that. for Quincy, but yeah. for Tony, yeah. yeah. Pure but luck. But he came in 
And he would at practice as a scout team quarterback, he was doing things like he would hold on to the ball, run around a little bit, skate here and there, and he'd throw the ball and make a big play. And I was always that veteran on the defense side of the ball. I said, there's no fucking way that you're going to be able to hold the ball for five seconds. Yeah. You ain't going to just scramble around. Yeah. Your straight hand will have your ass yeah. on the yeah. ground, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And lo and behold, man, like two years later, when he gets his first start, yeah. you're like, holy shit, he's mm. exactly yeah, what he did that. in practice. <laughs> and he would kill us in practice. Yeah. And, and the one thing I always say about him, is he was in front of us as far as mentally in, 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 in the game because he would always ask questions, never was afraid to ask a yeah, question. Yeah. So he beat me up, sit in my locker and beat me up. Hey, when you guys run cover three, you know, why do you do this and do that? And why are you holding this? And I was like, you know, kids, uh, guys, young guys yeah. just don't ask right. these type yeah. of questions. So he was mentally, he was preparing himself yeah. for the moments that he's in right now. Yeah. And you know, the, the other thing that I think is a, like I, I've learned so much from my time observing him. And one of the things that I've learned that I, I try to carry with me, but you know, mm. I may not do it at the same level he does, but he, he knows his own weaknesses mm. and he's not afraid to put that out there so that, it, that he can learn how to overcome it. Mm-hmm. Right, so like he used to tell me all the time, uh, early in his career, he's like, "Yeah, I do a couple of picks of practice today, but I got to know if I can make that fucking throw." Right. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. no other, everybody else wants to be a perfect player yeah. in practice. Right. Right. They're not willing to fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, "Look," oh, he said, man, "If I ever, awesome. and, and he told yeah. me, he's like, if I ever thought I was going to get cut, then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be perfect that day. I'll just check it down, or I'll, I'll, yeah. you know, make the easy read." But he's like, in a game, I might have to make a seventeen-yard. Mm-hmm. You know, throw a seventeen-year-old by looking this guy off and gunning it that way. Right. I gotta know I can do it. Mm. Now, who would be willing to do that, right? But and he's been like that his whole yeah. his whole life, right? And so he's. I mean, there's so much that I wish people knew more about. Yeah. Like that, his story is better than people think. Yeah. And like, kind of like we talked about Dak, and I don't know how much of it got captured. It's like people, you know. Dak deserves all the good that's happened mm-hmm. in his life. Yeah. Tony's the same way, you yeah. know, and, and, uh, but a lot of the stuff that he did, even, uh, one comment I was going to make that one of the reasons he's so good so quickly with, with announcing was he used to do, and, and again, he didn't know he was preparing for this, mm-hmm. but after games for years, yeah. he'd invite a bunch of us over to his house yeah. and then he'd replay the game and walk us through exactly what he was thinking on every play. I see. And now he'd sit up there with a pointer and he'd be like, all right, see how this guy came down? I know if he comes down, he can't get to that route. Right. All I have to do is if, he can, if I can get him to take one step this way, I can throw that and he cannot get to it. Right. So he'd explain that. And he'd say, okay, this right here. And then one of us would ask, well, what, you said cover two. What is that? Yeah. And he learned how to explain that to him more. Mm, yeah. You know, it's like it, he trained for that job for 10 I mean, years. Uh, there'd be, yeah. yeah, there'd be like 10, 12, 15 people there sitting around in his living room watching TV, breaking the game down right after the game. That, and that's crazy because after the game, I don't know about you, but after the game, I want to last thing I want to Yeah, yeah. I, hey, let me go get a, a drink of beer yeah. and sit my ass yeah. down and not watch football. I mean, you it, know? and you could say this better than anyone, but like Tony has uh, an obsessive personality on certain things. I mean, kind of like golf mm. for him, right? Like, if, it's really hard to have a conversation with Tony and golf not somehow get yeah, into he the might conversation. Even get behind you and like, all right, get your hands <laughs> off. Your hands. Just tell me how to okay, do not it. Too hey, close, too close. To, <laughs> I don't need to hold me tight. While you that better be your putter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
right, Tom. I, I, I love. Thank you for for sharing that. But I want to. I want to take a step back. Um, in a probably the most beautiful yet challenging period of your life when you met Benish, yeah. and I, I want to talk through that story because I think you know whatever you're comfortable sharing through that process, man. But um, how um the strength that you had through that time and man the the service uh, mentality that you had to just to serve her and her family I, I want you to talk talk through kind of how you how you met and then but talk us through um you know the, the years following okay so uh what tyler's talking about is my now wife Benish. i'd met her in 2014 so it was uh i'd gone to la and come back for like a year and a half two years and just met her on a a dating site of all mm-hmm. things. And, uh, but at that time I was so obsessed with my career that I was like, yeah, I'll, you know, you're pretty, I like you, I'll date you. But mm-hmm. for me, it was very surface level. Um, I think luckily for me, she saw something in me mm-hmm. that, you know, probably wasn't very easy to find, but thankfully she found it. And so she always felt stronger about me for a long time mm-hmm. than I did about her. Cause she was just, yeah, okay. You can come around whenever I'm not busy, but so I go, you know, we dated for a couple of months, maybe six months or so. I go back to L.A., and we stayed in touch. And mm-hmm. if I'd come back to Dallas, you know, we'd hang out. But I was not in that mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, I was doing my thing. And then I, when I came back, though, everything for me mentally, like, I, you know, it just was like, okay, I'm, now it's about me carving out a life and being happy. So we, we reconnected, and I was taking things more seriously, but not still wasn't where I needed to be to be, a, you know, real dedicated mm-hmm. boyfriend at the time. Uh, but things were getting more serious. And so she has a daughter from a previous marriage. And so I eventually met her and very sweet girl. And, and, you know, we'd hang out occasionally as a group. And then she asked me to move in. So I, that was a, that was a tough one because I'm like, okay, now if I do that, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm breaking up with two people if this right. doesn't work out. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was really hesitant to, and it took me a long time to... How long were you single, though? I mean, were you single from high school, basically yeah, from college, yeah. all the yeah. way through? Yeah, so, so that oh. one girl I dated for like a year and a half in college and stayed for... And then yeah. first week in graduate school, by the way, first week, I see some dude picking her up. I'm like, we're dating. Right. So I'm like, I stayed for this shit? <laughs> like, yeah, first week. So, yeah, anyway. Oh, man, ruthless, man. Ruthless. Yeah, they really are. So it was that long. So how yeah. many years is that? So I would have been probably 22. Years of being single. Oh, so years being single, man, 16? 16 years. 17? And <laughs> I, I, I took advantage. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, no, but, you know, I was like, it's just, it's a, I was, I was in the right mentality at that time. Certainly not the right mentality for where I want to be in life now. Uh, but so I eventually, I, you know, agree that, all right, you know, I'll give it a try. We'll move in. But I still, I wasn't really all in. And she could sense that. So we'd have talks about it. And I was very much on the fence. But I, I knew I cared about her. But I just wasn't, I didn't mm. know if I'd ever, like, I, I've actually kind of been opposed to marriage. Mm. And I would argue that very vigorously that I thought it was outdated. And it's just a legal agreement, you know, and. It's usually bad for men. Right. You know, so what are we doing here? Um, and I'd made that clear to her, but she still stuck around for some reason. And then one day, I think what, what you're alluding to is uh, she calls me just sobbing. I'm like, what's the matter? And she reveals that she was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And I'd always kind of wondered, 
oddly enough, in my life, I was like, if I was ever confronted with something like that, how would I handle it? Because mm. if I'm not stuck with this person, right. I'd just be like, that's your, you know, mm. I wouldn't say it in that way, but mm -hmm. I'd be like, okay, mm. you know, like, let me get out of here before mm. things get ugly. And, but as soon as she said that, just something switched in me where I'm like, I got to protect this girl. Like, mm. I'm not letting her go anywhere. Like, whatever it takes to make sure she gets through this. And, and at that moment, like, I'd fully committed to her. Mm. It's the strangest thing. Like, it's a... Uh, you know, I've heard people say, like, I, I knew when I met, like, for me, it wasn't like that. But when I heard that, something just clicked in yeah. me where I'm like, I've got to protect her. Mm -hmm. So then from that point forward, we, you know, everything really progressed and and we, we grew together and, and it was great. But, and luckily, you know, her her case was very mild compared to what it could have been. Yeah. You know, she was, you know, had minor surgery. Everything worked out well. But... I'm I'm actually really glad it happened. I said it at the wedding. Like yeah. it's it's probably the best moment of my life because it it forced me kind of another fork in the road mm -hmm. moment. It forced right. me to make a choice. Choice, you're right. And and luckily the choice I, it was subconscious. It wasn't like, yeah. well, what should I do? It was just like, no. Yeah. I'm doing right, this. man. That, and that's crazy because you you you're talking about your journey and, and uh, much like a lot of other people, your journey has been like, well, you know, there's been a you know fork in a row, and you're like, oh, I'm done. I, I'm quitting. Yeah. yeah, I'm moving on. Yeah. And in one of the toughest times in your life, when you had the option yeah. of going the opposite way, yeah. you ran through the fire. Yeah. And that's awesome, man. That yeah. really is. And You know, you know something that the, the military school debacle for me was actually, again, it was, a, it was a really important moment in my life. And I think that's where the mental toughness, whatever exists mm -hmm. in me, began. And, and what's odd is... The way I did it sounds cheesy, and it sounds like, yeah, right, nobody would do this. But I was so kind of lost, and I didn't like myself that I'm like, I don't like feeling this way. Yeah. And so what I did was I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to list, I'm going to write, literally write down all the things that I like about the people that mm. I admire. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to write down the things that I don't like about myself. And then every month... I'm going to try to incorporate one thing from the list of what I like and try to eliminate one thing from the list I don't like. And, you mm. know, slowly but surely as I started to try to do that, I started liking myself again. Mm. And I started being like, I don't need, you know, the confidence was developing. Right. I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm not, I'm never going to be the guy on the right side of the page anymore. Right. Like I'm going it, to, it's a choice. Yeah. And like, even if I get beat, right? like, all right, I got my ass whipped or, I, or, you know, I stuck it out with this girl and it didn't work out. So what? Right. Mm. Before I was so, I was so nervous about how people would perceive me right. that I put their feelings about me over my own feelings about myself. Yes. And I'm like, I'm done with that shit. We actually just talked about this the other day, right? Yeah. Like self-image, whether it's physically or, or emotionally or mentally, like how we let other people's feelings about us influence how we think about ourselves yeah. and, and how that can, it, it really can just like cannibalize all of our thoughts. Right. And like everything we do is based off of what they're going to think instead of, okay, Hey, how do I build myself up internally? Because if I'm good enough for me, I'm going to be good enough for yeah, everyone else. Yeah. But I would think that'd be a much greater challenge for guys like you that were in a public domain. Right. So like for me, any failure I have, what if three people know, nobody cares. Right. Right. But for, for you guys, you know, any failure you have, at least in that part of your yeah, life, is yeah. very public. I, I would How say, do you not let that? I, yeah, I, yeah. So I, I, I would say yes and no. I would say um, I, I think that you're in the public eye. Um, I think that your image is inflated. So there's it's it's you struggle with it because it's like okay, what what you all made up this story about who you think that I am, y'all aren't even close, right? right? Like 
you are way overshooting me. And, and so then there's also this internal, like now I've got to live up to the standard that you've already made for us. So yeah, it's harder in that aspect of it. But I mean, yeah, if we fail, but then again, there's also, I mean, there's a level of grace too at that level, right? It's right. like, Oh, yeah, he's got a lot. He's got yeah, a lot. But I, I just, yeah, I honestly feel like, like this is what I was born to do. Like failure is a part of my life. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Like I've failed more than I could ever admit that people would ever know. Mm. Like my own personal failures. Yeah. And, and it and it, it is what it is. And I've played a game or not only in football, but any sport where I've got my ass kicked physically, right. mentally. I've lost. And and it's in those moments when you lose is when you build yourself, you build a confidence to say, Okay, I'm willing to go back. Yeah. See, the problem is a lot of people don't want that. Mm. A lot of people try to avoid the fact of losing and they're afraid to lose. Right. When you can get over that part of it, then you understand, look, failure is a part of it, yeah. but I ain't afraid. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on stepping. And I think that's, that's in growth, that's in confidence, and it's in sharpening yourself yeah. through those processes. But to your exact point, had you not gone through the military academy, had yeah. you not gone through you know, quitting baseball in college, had you not gone through those things – you wouldn't know that you hated that feeling. Yeah. You wouldn't know that, okay, I am better than this. Like I, that doesn't define me. That's not the, the trend that I have to do because I think so many people are so safe that they won't put themselves, I mean, right. wouldn't go to a military academy or wouldn't walk out onto the baseball team, whether you quit or made it or whatever, like people don't want to put that out there because they don't even want to yeah. put themselves out in, in order to fail. But, I mean, you talk to anybody that's been successful. You talk to Darren. You talk to Tony. You talk to Andy Beal. You talk to – I mean, the failures are what makes the success right. story. Yeah, and that's if right. you don't take a risk, there's yes. no possibility right. of There's success. no right. way to progress. There's no way to build, and there's no way to grow. And, and you know, there's a, there's a commencement speech. I don't know if you all have heard. Uh, I think it's the Rick Renzi, Dr. Rick Renzi, and he talks about, um, you know, rock bottom – is actually a good place to start building a foundation for whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, right? And so the failures are good. Like right. those are things because otherwise you wouldn't know, okay, hey, the military academy is not for me. Or, hey, I know that I'm not going to cut it short. I'm not going to have that regret 20 years down the road. I'm going to see this all the way through. I mean, imagine if you'd walked away when you got that call. Think about the, the regret, right, yeah. that you would have had 10, 15 years from now. Had you not committed to Banish and said, I'm in, I'm fighting. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not taking off. I'm fighting for this. But had you not gone through those experiences in life, I mean, who knows the decision that you would have made yeah. that would have all been easy. You know, and those are all good points. What I struggle with though, is do I need to be the person that learns from my own mistakes or can I learn from others? The, yeah. Right. So even like yeah. the folks that are listening yeah. to, to what you guys are, are putting out there, it's like, you're getting great information. Yeah. Don't, why do you need to yeah. learn for yeah. yourself mm. that you're going to regret quitting or right. that you're going to, you know, so I, that's, I try to like what you're saying mm. is a good way. Once you've made a mistake yeah. or once you've, it's like mm. how to react all, from it. But it's like, I, I, I hope that I can learn from your story or right. yours and be like, I don't have to go down that yeah. road. Right. To, Avoid right, those potholes. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the idea of mentorship. And we've talked about that too, is, is that's what mentors, mentors are there for. That's what the Andy Beals were for you. And, um, you know, I've had, I've had number, number of, of people that have invested time into sharing with me, but that's what that's for. But I think to your point, 
the failures are when you get there and it does happen because it's inevitable that something will because That's you right. can't be prepared for everything, right. right? But how do you react beyond that? Do you let it swallow you and consume you? If I lose a deal or something, you know, I lose on a pitch and, and do I just, oh my gosh, like, I don't know. And then just quit. Like, right. no, like, okay, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? And yeah. know that that's part of it. The fucking birds are going to chirp tomorrow. That's right. Yeah. That's right. They're going to yeah. wake up and chirp. That's right. right. With you or without you. That, that's so exactly you right. Get your ass up and go. And there's, yeah. and there's life circumstances. And I'm not saying it's business and it's this, but there's life circumstances. You lose a spouse. Yeah. You lose a sibling. You know, you lose a parent. You lose a child, right? There's things in life that you just feel like, okay, there's no way that I could ever move on from this. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is in in me, and this is, this is my opinion, right? From a faith base, there's a reason that you were tested. There's a reason you went through that trial, because like you said, if you can share that knowledge and that wisdom and that fortitude and that strength with someone else so that you can encourage them through something like that, like I think a Dak, like what what's the story that he's going to be able to tell a young quarterback 10 yeah. years from now? Hey, keep your head up, man. I know where you've been. Yeah. I've gone through those dark places. Yeah. I get it. And that's to me, things don't happen by accident. And you yeah. talked about it, right? Like it wasn't an accident. You read the wall street journal yeah. before you had dinner mm-hmm. with Andy Beal, right? Things to me. And that's, and that's, and that's my belief. But, but yes, like, yeah, learn from others. Take advantage of the resources yeah. that are available to this, you. This Don't why, be ignorant in that. Yeah, exactly. But this is the reason why we do this podcast, yeah, man. Yeah. Because it's so enlightening to hear other stories mm-hmm. and to hear how people have run from things and then bounced back from those things, have had failures and figured it out and had great successes and then had failure. I mean, there's so much. Everyone has a story. Yeah. yeah. And that's the beautiful side of it, man. Yeah, that's yeah. that's absolute beauty and joy is when you can hear those stories and say, okay, look, he found a way. Yeah, there's something he, to be learned he from found all it out. Yeah, he yeah. figured yeah. it out, man. I mean, because when would you have ever thought that, you know, you're, you're, you're getting your, your masters in, in business at Eastern Illinois, that you would be sitting next to Jim Nance as a spotter, right? The twists and turns of life. You have no idea, right? And who, all of those things that you went through led up to where you're at so that you could be the best at what you are doing at that point and be the best Tom, be the best husband, be the best father, I mean, all of those things have made you the man and the reason that, like, I was so excited to have you on the show today. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's awesome. So, you're going to ask that final question? You gonna, yeah. You're going to do the big I'm going to butcher it. Yeah. I'm going to butcher it. Okay. <laughs> all right. So so you may have listened to this if you listened to a couple episodes, but one of the one of the questions our, our co-host, Ben, always likes to ask um, is, if you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing, not necessarily change anything, but tell yourself one thing. Where would you go and what would you say? Wow. Any one moment. Any one moment. Man, that's really difficult. All right. I think I know what it is. And I don't know that, uh, I don't, truthfully, I don't know that I would have wanted to do this. Mm. Okay. Because I, I'm actually really, really, really happy with the way my life mm-hmm. has turned out. But, I would have, the, the very first time I really ever quit anything, allowed quitting to enter my mind as an option. So I was, a, I was a quarterback in high school, and we'd played a long summer of traveling baseball. And we went right from, like, losing this 
really important game in the tournament. The next morning was like 6.30 a.m., two-a-day practice. And I was like, I, I just, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just, I need a, I need a break. But So I, I quit. That's the first thing, the first time I'd ever quit anything ever mm-hmm. in my life. And it just gave, it, quitting became one of the options on the page. Mm-hmm. So I think had I, if I could go back and just say, Stick it out, dude. Yeah. It's, it's a shitty week. Yeah. You're right. going to catch up on sleep you know, this weekend. You'll be fine. Yeah. I missed, you know, I missed it the instant, mm-hmm. you know, and I came right back the next year and played. But it was like I, but the, the, the worst part was that, that it became an option, mm-hmm. right? And like one thing, if, if just sorry to, I don't know. No, 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 that's, that's great. Awesome, yeah. man. But it went, yeah, like one of the things my dad shared with me about boxing that I think is super important because from what, from everything I've heard, he, never lost mm-hmm. in his time in the Marines. So I asked him, like, why didn't you become pro? And he's like, because to me it was fun. Mm. But I, I, I wasn't willing to kill or die for it. Mm. Right? He goes, these guys that are world-class fighters, it's all they, they have. Do. That's it. Yeah. And, and you, you have to be willing to kill yeah. or die for it. And he goes, like, and, and what's interesting is you can actually, you can tell what's going on in the world by who's good, like where the best fighters are coming from. Like cities in the U.S. Yeah. Like in the early 80s, Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. All the best fighters coming from yeah. Detroit. Had nothing else. This is St. it. St. Louis way out. producing fighters. Right. Yeah. Russia, you know, the yeah. southeastern Asian countries. So it's like wherever life is really, really rough, it's like this is all I have. Huh. Mm-hmm. It's life or death. Yeah. And, but quitting is not an option for these guys yeah. at any point. And, and so that's where I think I tell a younger version of myself, just quitting is not an option. Huh. Uh, Whatever awesome. that is. Yeah. That's great. Well thank said, man. No, thank you. This is fun, You've man. Been awesome, Tom. And oh. man, I tell you what, your story, man, is your journey is just it's one to you know to really listen to. And and, uh, and I got I got a nineteen year old, and, and I always talk, I always bring up my son Jaden in here. There's there's so many kids that that need to hear these stories. Mm-hmm. No, I'm serious. I mean, seriously, yeah. they just need to hear the journey that you know you can't give up. Yeah. You got to keep pushing. And if you do fail, hey, you know. Next day is the next day. You gotta, right. you gotta yeah. pick your ass up and keep. Going. Don't let it yeah. compound That's after right. that. Yeah, you, you'll be you know, you'll be proud of yourself and yeah. the man that you are. That's right, the woman yeah. that you are. If yeah, you yeah. do that, man, I love it. Well, well, Tom, we appreciate it. Thank you guys. so much, man. Oh, yeah. Appreciate you. Good luck this week. Where are you guys at? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Browns and Steelers, which all sounds oh, like. Yeah. Now it's actually yeah. a good like game. <laughs> Who would have thought that preseason? <laughs> well, awesome, man. We'll appreciate you. Tell the family we said hello, man, and thanks for taking time out of your busy week. Thanks, guys. Hi, brother.